Well, good morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Substance. And we are going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I don't know about you, but I have really loved this series. Uh, the disciple-making application points, the encouragement to endure in the gospel. If you are new, visiting with us today, we've got some Bibles in the back that you could use, or you could follow along on the, your device, uh, which would be the ESV, English Standard Version. So last week, uh, Pastor Jeff had shared where basically we learned that the Word of God is the tool, it is essential for the disciples' life by the grace of God. This morning we're going to learn how the Word of God is the tool to equip his church. So let's read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And why? Verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. This is God's word. This morning I want to open up with a question for you. And here it is. Why is preaching the word of God important to the church? Why is preaching this Bible important to the church? Now maybe some of you that grew up in church as as far as you can remember from birth, you're like, well, I mean, isn't that what you do? You come to church and you sing songs and you listen to the pastor, open up the word of God and preach the word. And I would say, well, yeah, maybe, but that's more about tradition. And there is a long tradition of that. But really, why is it important for the church to preach the word of God? Why is it important for the church to reach the Bible? Think of it this way. If you were to build a house, and some of you have, and I would never want to build a house, um, it would not look pretty afterwards. But if you were to build a house, you would need to have a foundation, right? in order to build a house. If you don't have that strong foundation to build a house, then the house is not going to stand. So when Kendra and I were in the transition period of moving from Oberlin to here, and we were trying to find a house in Ashland, we ended up finding a house 
uh, in the area. Um, and we, all th we thought that was it, that was the house. And we immediately put our name into the pot and said, okay, we wanna, we wanna get this house. Then the inspection comes. So the house inspector comes, we're walking with him, we're down in this deep, dark basement, and he says, you know what, uh, I just want you to know there's some bows that are in this brick wall. Can you see it? It's starting to push in a little bit. And uh, I said, well, I mean, you're the inspector, so you know, what do you think? Do you think we should uh, get this house or not? And um, he said, well, I can't say not to get this house, obviously, but I'm telling you, there are bows and there's probably more than one. Later on, we found out that there were three. Well, we got out of that deal pretty quickly, thank goodness. And we ended up moving into the house that we're in that has a stronger foundation, as strong as a foundation can be for a house that's built in, uh, you know, the 19th century. <laughs> Why is preaching the word so foundational? Here's the big idea of this passage. The preaching of God's word is the tool that motivates and equips God's people to endure in God's gospel. See, the Apostle Paul, if you've been following along with this series, and if you're new, we've been going through this series called Gospel Endurance in 2 Timothy. The Apostle Paul is on death row, so to speak. He is waiting to be executed for his faith. He has endured faithfully, and he wants his young protege, Timothy, to endure faithfully as well. And so he says here in our passage, remain faithful to preach God's word to God's church. So in verses one through five, Paul gives Timothy four ways he must preach the word. This is four ways that you want your pastors to be faithful in preaching the word of God. So number one, the church needs the word preached under a holy accountability. Number two, the church thrives when the word is preached persistently. Number three, the church grows spiritually when the word is preached pastorally. And number four, the church is encouraged with the word, when the word is lived out passionately. Don't worry, we will not be here till two o'clock in the afternoon. We're just simply covering these things. So let's look at our first point. The church needs the word preached under a holy accountability. Paul gives here a solemn and sombering charge to Timothy. Look with me there in verses one and two. Second Timothy chapter four, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Now, when we hear this, we can sometimes just kind of read past it. We don't think much of it because unless you are in the military 
or secret service or a lawyer or a judge or someone in civic duty that has to take an oath or a charge. Charges are not as popular or common. Maybe when the charge was given here to the pastors here, you thought, well, that sounds familiar because I've heard it before because of being in the church, but others of you might have said, well, that's new to me. See, what you have here collectively in this charge is what I would call a holy accountability. This charge is like someone who hands you one of those great big cylinder bricks, right? You know what I'm talking about? And they hand you another large brick, one on top of another, and just as you can't take the weight, someone helps you carry it. So I wanna make four observations of this charge. Look with me there in the text. The charge to preach God's word is before a holy God and the Son of God, Jesus Christ, which implies the Trinitarian God. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. This alone would be a holy accountability. So that's the first brick, and it's a heavy one. Number two, the charge, observation number two, the charge to preach is before Jesus, the judge. Who is to judge the living and the dead? That is what Jesus has described here. That's the second brick. Are you starting to feel the weight? Number three, the charge to preach is given with Jesus' return in mind and by his appearing. Jesus is our hope. Jesus will return. Why? Because God's word promises it. Number four, the charge to preach is given in light of Jesus' kingdom. Look with me there again. By his appearing and his kingdom. What does Paul mean by his kingdom? Well, God's rule, God's reign over the lives of his people and promises of the reality to come when all God's people will reign with him and are reigning with him now. Do you see how weighty this charge is? Do you feel the brick, so to speak? This charge is a holy accountability for your pastors. We're called to preach under the gaze of God and, that he, and that what he has done and will do through Christ. This means that our first audience as pastors and preaching to you is God. It's not you. We're not trying to entertain you. This weighty verse helps us to remind us and to remind his church that success in God's eyes is faithfulness to him and his word. It's not marketing techniques. We're called to preach God's word. We're not called to preach stories. 
We're called to preach God's word, not self-help books. We're called to preach God's word, not life experiences, but to preach faithfully and plainly the precious life-changing word of God. Church, you want your pastors to preach the word of God, to teach it. Because to, to depart from preaching his word is to depart from following Jesus and his mission for our lives, to depart from making a disciple-making community, as we've been talking about throughout 2 Timothy. Listen to Jeremiah 23, 28. But let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. That's what it says. But let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. This means it's not your pastor's words that bring life, but God's word that brings life and points us to Jesus who gives us life by his spirit. You want your pastors to have a holy accountability because it is for your growth and ours in the gospel of the grace of God. Pastor Ronnie, our lead pastor, is on sabbatical because we are holding him accountable. We want him to rest. We want him to be rejuvenated. We want him to be refreshed and be reminded of his calling that God has placed on his life. We're held up accountable by God for the words that we preach to you, not as a burden, but as a blessing. As we see in Hebrews 13, 17, here's what it says. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. See, the church needs the word preached under a holy accountability. Moving on, in verse two, Paul commands Timothy to preach the word. To preach here means to herald the word, to proclaim. It doesn't mean you have to yell it. it doesn't mean you have to scream it. It means you have to preach it. Preach the word publicly. Earlier, Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's inspired, 2 Timothy 3.16. So that means we need to herald the whole counsel of God's word. It doesn't mean we bring everything into our study, out of our study, into the pulpit and say, oh, look what I've done. It's like, no, look at how amazing God is. You need your pastors to preach all of God's word, not just a favorite passage or a book, but all of them over time, Lord willing. Do you see how God's holy accountability for your pastors affects you, affects the church? Paul now moves from reminding Timothy of his holy accountability to his need to preach God's word persistently. This leads to our second point. The church thrives when the word is preached persistently. Verse 2a and then the latter part of verse, verse 2. 
Paul uses the phrase here, be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? The idea here is to be ready to preach the word of God, whether it's convenient or not. The New Living Translation says, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Your pastors must be ready with a sense of urgency to preach no matter if the time is favorable or it's not. If Ronnie has had a hard week or Scott's had a hard week or Jeff's had a hard week or whatever, if Zach's had a hard week. Your pastors must be ready to, with a sense of urgency to preach. So how does this preaching the word help you, the church, to thrive? If we're persistently and consistently preaching you the word of God, then you're being nourished. You're being nourished. You're being fed with the word. Pastor Jeff unpacked the importance of the word of God last week. Do you remember what he said? He said that the word of God is inspired. It's God-breathed. It's holy scripture. He said it was, it was without error. It's inerrant. And so that means it can be trusted wholeheartedly. And then that God's word is authoritative, which means it's everything that we need to live a godly life. This is what ultimately nourishes us. <laughs> Remember that old documentary? Some of you are gonna be like, I wasn't even born yet. But this old documentary called Supersize Me, right? This guy ends up videoing himself I think it was probably around the time of reality TV shows or something like that that were booming. Anyway, early 2000s, he videotapes himself, he does this documentary, he decides he's going to eat fast food, Mickey D's. I'm not down in Mickey D's here, but he decides he's going to eat Mickey D's. That's it, he's just gonna eat Mickey D's. And he just eats it and eats it and eats it and about three months in he's going, What's going on with my body? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> You're eating junk food. If you have a steady diet of eating junk food, it's going to affect your life. If you have a steady diet of being on Facebook on a regular basis to the point where you're believing everything that's coming in through Facebook or Instagram or other kind of social media platform, you are putting yourself on a steady diet. See, the same is true for our spiritual lives. We need a steady diet of God's word. Not just on Sunday, but throughout the week. Monday through Saturday. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves and then prepare our hearts for Sunday to receive the word. A church that preaches the word of God thrives. And why does it thrive? It's not any power that the pastors have. It's not any power that the church has. 
It's because God's word will not return void. We are promised it. In Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 11, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, listen, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Prior to this service, the elders went upstairs, we prayed, we prayed for the service, we prayed for you. They asked me, how do you feel? I said, fear and intrepidation and excited. And they're like, good because we wouldn't let you preach otherwise. <laughs> and I wouldn't let them either. The preaching of God's word motivates and equips God's people to endure in God's gospel. The church needs the word preached under a holy accountability. The church thrives when the word is preached persistently. And now Paul moves to commanding Timothy on how to preach the word pastorally to his people and with great patience. Number three, the church grows spiritually when the word is preached pastorally. The latter part of verse two there. Where do you see pastoral, Mark? Where do you see it? Paul commands Timothy, right there in verse two, to preach the word, how? Reprove. Reprove means to correct. Rebuke, point out wrong beliefs and exhort, encourage, and challenge with complete patience and teaching. Does this sound familiar? If you were here last week, it probably did, or if you got to listen to Pastor Jeff's sermon that he preached last week. Paul in chapter three, verse 16, showed Timothy that the word of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's almost the exact same wording there. Paul is telling Timothy, you want your people to grow spiritually? Then preach the word of God that you desperately need yourself. Pastor Jeff did a great job explaining how profitable the word is to the life of the disciple. So I really don't want to repeat what he shared last week, and if you missed that sermon, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But here's what I would like to ask you. Do you know what this threefold ministry of reprove, rebuke, and exhort presupposes? What does it mean? It means that God's word is divine. It's holy. It's our final authority in our lives. It's enough and it's necessary for us. It also means that this Bible is to be preached expositionally, book by book, line by line, precept by precept. This means that we are preaching, when we're preaching through the book and we face a difficult passage, we can't just avoid it. We 
can't just skip it. We need to preach through it and understand it. This is God's holy word. This also means, church, this also means that his word will offend. It will wound. But it will also comfort and it will also heal and it will also give us hope, amen? And lastly, his word will point us to the greatest of all encouragements, point us to Jesus, who is our hope, who is our salvation, who is our strength. And how do we learn this? Through his precious word preached and taught so that you can take God's word into the marketplace, into your circles of influence and create a disciple-making community by God's grace. Praying for your coworkers, praying the word over your coworkers, praying with your coworkers with the word. Now, we all know change does not happen overnight, <laughs> right? As much as we want it to happen overnight, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a painfully slow process. It takes patience. Paul is very aware of that as he waits to be executed on death row here for his faith. And he wants Timothy to understand that patiently, completely patiently, teaching the word, but also the church patiently receiving the word. Through God's word, we're reminded of the great patience that God has with us. Second Peter 3.9 says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, it says in other parts of scripture, over and over and over again. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And finally, Paul reminds Timothy why preaching the word of God is so vital in the life of the church, which leads to our fourth point. The church is encouraged when the word is boldly proclaimed and lived out passionately. Verses three through five. Here Paul reminds Timothy of the fickleness of people. Second Timothy four, three through four says this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul describes here people who are driven by their feelings alone. If their feelings aren't met, if their felt needs aren't met, they say, I'm out of here, I'm gone, see you later. They feel an itch. And if their feeling or desire is not met, they move on to the next church. 
They accumulate for themselves teachers who will give them what they want, but they're not patient enough to receive the teaching of the word week in and week out that they desperately need. What is Paul saying to Timothy? He's saying, people will come. They will hear your preaching. They will never be satisfied and they'll choose teachers that tell them what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. And when you don't scratch their itch, they will turn away. Not because of your preaching, but because they never knew God to begin with. Oh, how applicable for today. Right? How applicable for today. Some modern day examples of this, Jeff shared a couple of weeks ago. The prosperity gospel, the political gospel, the social gospel, the therapeutic gospel. Really anything that adds or takes away from the true gospel is a false gospel. Teaching to meet the passions of the hearers. We need to be reminded that those who turn away from the faith do so because they, they want to satisfy their own sinful desires. Listen, we as your pastors, we need your prayers. We need your prayers to preach God's word boldly and faithfully and passionately and fear God and not man. We live in an acidic culture where the temptation would be to tone down the heralding of God's word. Where the temptation would be to, to depart from God's word because it just doesn't match what is happening in culture and in this world. But we as a church must remain faithful and we need your prayers. We desperately need your prayers. Ronnie needs your prayers. Your tool, our tool, is God's word. What benefit is that to you? What benefit is that to you? People will hear through the preaching of God's word the realities of the gospel. God's holiness, man's sinfulness, Christ's rescue, and the need to respond in repentance and trust in him alone. People will hear the, that God's story of redemption is for them. And how Christianity is not just a support system, but a way of life to be shared with others, to be a disciple maker, to find that Paul, to find that Timothy, how God's gospel is not just for the beginning of our Christian life, but throughout our lives. And yes, people will hear that hell is real, that sin must be punished, and that apart from trust in Christ, 
people will be judged and sent to hell where they will suffer eternal conscious punishment. And why do we preach such a message? Because God's word says it. How God from all eternity has a plan to rescue his people, to put their trust in him. This is what the God of the word, through the word of God, is able to to do and also help us to boldly proclaim it. When I stepped up here this morning to preach God's word, I did not step up here because of my confidence or my courage or my ability or anything. It was because this is God's word. This is my confidence. It's inspired. It's an, an, it's an inerrant. <laughs> it's authoritative. God's word is not just information, but truth and grace that leads to transformation. So as Timothy proclaims the word of God, he is to also live it. Listen, me. How many churches have we seen? Mega churches. Churches that are packing the house with people and then that pastor falls because of some moral failure where they said for some reason this word of God did not apply to them. Where they stopped being a disciple maker and they started worshiping the idols of money and sex and power. If you don't believe me, just watch the Hillsong documentary. And other pastors that have fallen. Jesus has a word for those pastors. In Luke, I believe it's chapter 12, the disciples are coming back and they're saying, wow, look at us, God. We were casting out demons. We were doing all this. This was incredible. Jesus says, yeah, I know. I saw Satan fall down from the sky like lightning. But don't rejoice in your authority to do those things, he says. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's saying, don't forget your first love. Every time, for I'll, I'll just speak for myself, when I'm coming up here to preach, I'm asking myself the question, am I living this? Is my life a living testimony of what I'm preaching? Not perfectly. But is it consistent? We are to preach God's word boldly despite those who reject it or don't apply it, but we are also to live it out with grace-fueled discipline. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 5. As for you always, be sober-minded, which means disciplined, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. 
We're to speak the gospel to others outside of the church as well as inside the church. The preaching of God's word motivates and equips God's people to endure in God's gospel. And real quickly, these four points again. The preacher, basically the church preaches the word under a holy accountability. The church preaches the word persistently. The church preaches the word pastorally and patiently. The church preaches the word boldly and lives it out. So maybe you're just wondering, okay, that sounds like a lot of application for the pastor, but what about me? Hopefully you heard some of that application. So how are you to respond? Let me share this. Make the word of God a priority in your life. Make the word of God a priority in your life. I know we're busy. I'm busy. I got four kids. I'm busy. (laughs) But make the word of God a priority in your life. You might be saying, well, how do I do that? What does that even look like? Well, I mean, it could be as simple as taking the word of God, taking the Bible, meeting with somebody for coffee, and reading the word of God together, going through a book together, talking about it. How does this apply to my life? How am I understanding about God's character? For me personally, what, how, how it happened for me is as I've grown in my faith, as I've grown in my understanding of who the Lord is and the importance of the word of God in my life, um, you know, when, we're, when our kids were young, we did the Jesus Storybook Bible or the Big Picture Story Bible. And then we tried to read the word of God next to it to help our kids see that this isn't just some kind of story over here, but it's connected to the greater story that's found in the word of God. And then as our kids have gotten older, and then they're able to read, we started having them read the word of God. And now their heads are gonna be bowed down because they're like, oh gosh, don't embarrass me. I'm not gonna embarrass you. So during COVID, the thought came to me, and I probably believe it's, you know, I guess it was the Holy Spirit. And it was like, hey, start reading the word of God with your family. So we did. We started in the New Testament, started at Matthew. We went all the way to Revelation. It was pretty cool. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't like, you know, the Von Trapp family where everybody lines up and, you know, says, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear the word, you know. In fact, it didn't even happen with me. <laughs> it didn't even happen with me. I mean, I, 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 the job that I do is not a full-time pastorate. The job that I do is working in a supply chain company where I'm purchasing and I'm trying to solve problems every day. And email is my master <laughs> kind of thing. And then I sit down to read the word of God and I'll, oh, look at that, dad's already falling asleep. You know? There are days like that. And Jesus knows that. He's not over your shoulder going, oh my gosh, you're pathetic. No, that's what Satan's saying. (laughs) Jesus is saying, be faithful. Be consistent. Nourish your family. And you're doing that, Mark. Keep doing it. Another thing that I've done is I meet with my son, Micah, in the mornings. 
over the school year we've been, we were meeting. I was just taking him through the scriptures. And I'm helping him to see the importance of humility in his life. And you know what? As I'm doing that, guess what happens? I'm seeing the importance of humility in my own life. That is the beauty of disciple making. As you are pouring into somebody else with the word of God, the Holy Spirit's working on you and pouring back into you. It's both humbling and exciting. If you have never opened the word of God and all you're hearing is things on YouTube or Facebook or social media and opinions about the word and so on, let me just encourage you to open up the word for yourself. So make the word a priority in your life, publicly as well as personally. Ask God to give you a, more of a hunger for his word. You know what? He loves that kind of prayer. He loves it. Be willing to receive what he wants to show you about himself. Receive his reprove. Receive his rebuke. Receive his comfort and his healing through his word by his spirit and be challenged by it and encouraged by his word. The second thing, but it's going to be much shorter, is pray for the church. You might not think, oh man, my prayers? What do you mean? Wow. Prayers are powerful. Pray for the church. Pray for Pastor Ronnie as he is away on sabbatical and less than a month out of returning. Pray for substance to remain, to remain faithful, to remain obedient to God's word, to be a disciple-making community, and that we continue to love Ashland, to go above and beyond their expectations and point them to the one that can only give them hope, who is Christ Jesus. Pray for the leaders of Substance Church, the pastors, the deacons, the growth group leaders. Pray for each other. And as we transition now to communion, we can do so with direction from his word. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 lays out for us what this looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this 
as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, of Christ. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know what he's saying there? For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you be the disciple-making community that I've called you to be. Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, not condemning yourself, but examining yourself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Look, if you're visiting today and you're trying to figure out what this Christianity thing is about, or you've been visiting for quite some time, and you have not embraced Christ, we ask that you just remain seated. Think about the truths that were shared here this morning. Think about the hope that Christ offers in himself. So we ask that you just remain seated. This is a time for all believers to come, to represent the gospel to one another, the bread, the juice, representing Christ's body that was broken for the church, his people, the juice, representing his blood that was poured out as a sacrifice for our sins. I'm gonna ask the band to come up, the ushers, come up as I pray and receive what God has already made a way for us to receive. Father in heaven, God Almighty, we praise you and thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, it is humbling to preach your word and it is exciting at the same time. It is terrifying and yet amazing at the same time. Lord, I pray that you would instill in your people more and more each day a holy reverence for you, your word, to live obediently to your word by your spirit. God, thank you that we can preach your word, that we get to, and that we get to receive your word this morning. Lord, nourish us, continue to do so for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.